Okay, guys. Well, glad you guys are all here. Hey, my name's Clayton. I'm the pastor here at Central. And uh, hey, just, I'm, I'm so glad that uh, I've seen so many new faces here today, and I'm pumped that you're here um, to hear today's message that God has given us. If you'd like to follow along with the message, just take your phone out, scan that QR code, and it'll take you to some notes you can fill out, or you can secretly get the, all the information, all the, the notes, and the, the fill in the blanks uh, ahead of time if you'd like to, if you're like that kind of person, you know, you want everything um, in that order. But hey, uh, it's going to be a good day today. We're in the middle of a series called Asking for a Friend. And we've been, we've been going through this for the last couple of weeks. And we asked, um, you know, at the very beginning, we asked the question, do all religions worship the same God? And we had to get into the Trinity. If you haven't watched that video, uh, you can go back and, and check that out um, online. Uh, but we, we tried our best to describe what the Trinity is and, and how that is the God that we worship. And then last week, we got into talking about pain and suffering and why does God allow that to happen? And we talked about sin and, and uh, how suffering is a part of life and our response in the middle of all of that. Well, today, to get us started, I want to go to Clayton's funny video of the week. Check this out. Who took the cookie off the counter? <laughs> Come here. Hey, you have a good day? Come here, you have a good day? Did you have a good day? Come here, Missy. Did you have a good day? Huh? Did you have a good day? Daddy loves you. You have a good day? But who tore my pants up, though? Oh, y'all don't want to talk about that? Y'all don't want to talk about that? Who did that? Who did that? Spike? Who did this? Who did it? <laughs> did you make that mess? <laughs> Man, all of us have been there, haven't we? The dog has just destroyed something. And, and we look at that, we laugh because uh, the evidence proves who did it, right? Um, the, and, and that's kind of a, a good thing to think about when it comes to things of, of the faith. We, we, we're searching for truth and we find truth based off of evidence and where the evidence leads us. And today we're going to ask the question, is the Bible true? And what evidence do we have that actually backs that up? Because I think there's three different types of people that are here today. There's, there's some Bible believers in this room. I would say maybe most of us are Bible believers. And we would say, you know what? Hey, this, this word that I have, this Bible that I have, it is absolutely perfect, 100%. Whatever version I have, I have a King James or NIV or ESV or whatever, you say, you know what, this is it. Like this is, this is truth to me. And I believe it with all my heart that this is true. There's some Bible believers. Most of us are probably Bible believers here in this room. There might be some people here who are Bible deniers. And you'd say, you know what, man, this thing, I get it. I mean, I, I get that Christians use this, but really it's just, it's irrelevant to me. In fact, I've, I've gone all over YouTube and I've seen dozens of videos that talk about how how uh, illogical it is and how backwards it is and how um, they, they prove that it is inaccurate and, and false. You say, you know what, that, that's kind of where I'm at, I'm at. But I think there's some people in this room that are kind of in the middle of all of that who I would say they're called Bible skeptics, where you'd say, you know what, I love Jesus. I mean, me and Jesus, uh, I love Jesus a whole lot and I, and I follow him. But when it comes to this old book, like I just have some questions and some concerns about it. Like, 
is, Noah, is the Noah, Noah's Ark thing, is that actually true? Or if you go all the way back to the Genesis record of creation, is, is that true? Is that just like a, a myth that was handed down? And I'm just kind of confused about some difference between the Old Testament and New Testament because it doesn't seem to line up all, all the time. And so we can ask this question, and I think it's legit to ask this question, is the Bible true? And we can ask it in several different ways. Some people might say, aren't there a whole lot of contradictions in the Bible? I mean, aren't there? Aren't there contradictions in the Bible? Hasn't the Bible over time, and we've had the Bible for a really long time, hasn't it been changed over time? Or am I supposed to actually base my life on this book that's like 2,000 years old? And it's okay to be skeptical. I'll just tell you that right now. Hey, you're free to be skeptical here at Central because Jesus' disciples were, were skeptical as well. Y'all remember the, the story of Jesus after his resurrection um, there's, they're on the road to Emmaus, and there's two disciples, and they're walking through down this road, and they're asking questions. They're saying things like, man, I, I was there. I saw the resurrected Christ. I'm just confused, and I don't understand, and I don't really know what's going on. And then Jesus, he shows up in, in the middle of this, and they don't recognize Jesus, and he's just walking along with them, which is kind of crazy. And then here's what he says. Look what the, look what the Bible says right here. In Luke chapter 24, in this story, here's what it says. He said to them, Jesus said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? He says, hey, do you not get it? I mean, do you, how, how foolish are you? How slow are you? And I think that's, like, that's a perfect you know, word that God has for me today. That Clayton, how, how foolish are you and how slow are you sometimes to believe everything that's written in here that the prophets spoke and all, everything in the Old Testament talked about, talking about Jesus coming and the things he was going to have to do. And here's what he does. He, he proves it. And so as he's walking along, I don't know how long this took, but I bet Jesus just did it perfectly. It says this. In the beginning, uh, in beginning with, the, with Moses and all the prophets, so the Old Testament, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And so he goes through and he begins to describe everything and say, hey, this thing is true. Why did you not believe me? So if you're today, if you're like, hey, Clayton, I don't really understand why we're talking about this because I'm pretty confident in God's word. And I'd say this message really isn't for you. Okay. I mean, it's good information for you. But I think there's a lot of people, there's several people here who are skeptical, who would say, you know what? I do have some questions. I have some concerns. And so to make this really simple today, I think there are, there are two big problems that a lot of people have with the Bible. And we're going to kind of address them today. And here's the first one. The first problem is this, that the Bible has been corrupted. That's what a lot of people believe. Hey, the Bible has been corrupted. It's corrupted from when it was written to what we have today. And, and honestly, what we tend to do in life is we criticize things that we know little about. Like today... Super Bowl, right? So today's Super Bowl, and, and there's going to be so many of you guys, you're going to do this, or someone next to you is going to do this, and I want you to remember, okay? Here's what's going to happen. The team that you're rooting for is going to mess up, and you're going to say, why did the quarterback not do that, you know? Or you're going to say, why did the guy not catch that ball? Or why did the defense not tackle that? Or why did the coach make that decision? You're going you're gonna to say, you know what, I could have done it better, right? It's called armchair quarterbacking, you know? And so what happens is, is today, either you're going to do this or someone's going to do this where you're going to criticize something that you know nothing about. A game that you probably have never played, okay? And you've never played it at that level. 
And you can say, you know what, I can do it better than you, than you can, right? That's what's going to happen today. And so I want you to remember that and be like, yeah, Clayton was yes, doing exactly what he was talking about. And the thing is, we do that a lot of times with things that we don't know much about. And a lot of us, we don't know much about this Bible. So here is the Bible, okay? It was written over 1,500 years, 40 plus authors over three continents. You have 66 books um, that make up this Bible. 39 are in the Old Testament, and they were written to a Jewish audience, to those people during that time. And then you have 27 books in the New Testament towards the back, and those are all about Jesus and his disciples and everything that he did and the things that he taught. And 90% of the world has the Bible, which is pretty amazing. It is everywhere. It's in 3,500 different languages. It's popular. People have it. But that doesn't really mean that it is true, does it? Just because something is popular doesn't mean that it's true. So if you have your Bible, here's what we're going to do today. Take it out, okay? Or pull out your phone, okay? And open up the Bible app or whatever you're going to use um, for today. And I want you to ask this question. Is this true? Is this true? Can I trust these words. And one of the ways that we can kind of figure out if, we, if it's trustworthy is we can compare it to things. So there are some things in like ancient, in the ancient world that we just believe to be true. There are some works, some, 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 uh, some books, some things that have been written, some writings of the, uh, in the ancient world that we just believe to be true. And I wanted to compare those things to what we have with the Bible. So I'm going to show you this chart real quick. So here up on the screen, there's this chart. And the first um, one that's going to be uh, up here is Aristotle's uh, Poetics. Okay, so Aristotle, he was uh, before Jesus came onto this earth, okay, so B.C. time, and he wrote these, these uh, works called the Poetics. He was a Greek philosopher, and he was around the, the 4th century B.C., okay? And so what these are going to show are ancient copies and the gap between when he actually wrote it and in the oldest copy that we have. Does that make sense? So he wrote things in the fourth century BC. The oldest copy we have is from 1000 AD. So we have nothing from 1000 AD all the way back to, to the fourth century. So there's a gap of 1400 years and we only have five copies. Well, here's another guy, another Greek philosopher named, named Plato. And everybody kind of remembers Plato. We have seven copies of his works, ancient copies, okay? He wrote around 350 BC. The earliest one we have is 900 AD. So there's a smaller gap of only 1,250 years, which is getting a little bit closer. And everybody knows about the Roman Empire, don't we? And we know about a guy named Julius Caesar, don't we? Well, he had these, these uh, works he called the, the Gallic, uh, they're called the Gallic Wars. And let's look at him real quick. It says garlic. <laughs> wow. Whoops. Looks like a, a TV show, a cooking show or something, right? The gar Julius Caesar's Garlic Wars. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Gallic Wars. It was up in the, the European uh, continent, okay? And, and there was these, these battles that, that he went and fought with the Roman Empire, and he wrote about them. And we read them in textbooks, don't we? And we look at those things. We read uh, Plato, read Aristotle, read about um, every, anything you know about the Roman Empire. You read those, and you say, that's got to be true because it's in my textbook. And we have some things, some works that he did. He did this in 50 B.C., and he wrote about it. 
but the earliest copy you have is 950 AD, so it's a thousand year gap. We only have 10 copies. So how, does, how do these stack up to the Bible? Let's just look at the New Testament alone. Look at this next thing. This is the New Testament Bible that we have. We have 5,856 ancient copies. They call them manuscripts. And these are just the Greek manuscripts. There's over 24,000 manuscripts in, in, in all the different languages. But the last book of the Bible, Revelations, was written in 95 AD. The earliest copy we have of the New Testament is 135 AD. So the gap is not 1,400 years. It's not 1,250 years. It's not 1,000 years. It's only 40 years. And yet we look at them and go, well, I can't trust this thing. I don't know if it's true. But you know, we believe a lot of the things in the ancient literature that we'd say, you know, it's true because we have copies of it. And here's what this means. This is kind of crazy. If we have this many copies and it's only, the earliest ones are only 40 years, the Bible that you have today, it's not a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. It's just like a copy, okay? It's so close to the original writings. A great example of that is if I started down this room, my son Corbin, he's sitting over there in the corner, okay? And if I took out my phone, how many guys are just, you're, you're texters, but you text way too long, Okay, anybody know or know someone that's like that? Instead of just being real simple, they just way too, too much information. Let's just say I did that. Say I, I sent Corbin a text. It's a really long um, text, and, and, I, and I tell him, hey, I want you to pass it on to the person next to you and the person next to you and the person next to you. But I don't want you to do a copy and paste because in the ancient world, they didn't have copy and paste, okay? They had to rewrite it. And so I want you to actually take it and retype it out and, and pass it on. What would happen if it went through everybody in this room and it got down here to Byron? What would happen? It'd be really different, wouldn't it? It'd be, it'd be really different. And so when you look at some of these things, what happens is you've had 1,400 years or 1,000 years for things to change over time. But when it comes to God's word, when it comes to the New Testament, you only have 40 years. And what's crazy is there's people that were still alive from the biblical stories when those things were written down. And so when you compare to other things, you can say, you know what? Maybe the Bible is kind of trustworthy. Maybe there's some things in the Bible when you compare those things that you say, you know what, it's, it's maybe closer to the truth than some of this other stuff that we believe to be true. But here's my other question. How do we know if it's true from the beginning? Like you say, okay, I get it. A copy, we just have a copy of a copy, so we have really close to the original. But how do I know that what was actually written originally was actually true? How do I know if what... Peter wrote actually happened? How do I know if what Luke wrote actually happened? How do, how do I know those things? Well, I think there's some rational proofs I want to go through really quick that maybe kind of help you to understand just how accurate the Bible is. So if I was to, if I wanted to make much of myself, okay, and I wanted to, um, I wanted people in the future to know just how great Clayton was, here's something I would do, Okay. <laughs> I would wait till all of you guys weren't around. Everybody died off or whatever. Okay, you moved away. And then I would write some things about Central that, you know what? I built this thing. Like I, and I, I, I made all of these chairs by hand. And everything we did was based on me. And I did, did it all by myself. And no one else helped me. But you know what? You can think really good about me in the future because of all the things that I've done. What would happen if you, were, you caught wind of that? 
right? It's like, you'd be like, oh, it's misinformation, right? You, you'd flag that for sure on social media, okay? Like, that's misinformation. That is not accurate, not true, because Clayton do, it didn't do anything, okay? Which is kind of true as well. So, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's the truth. The truth is based off of evidence, not based on just what someone says when everybody else is gone. And when it comes to the early writers, okay, of, of the Bible, I didn't say authors, I said writers, because the Holy Spirit is the author of, of the Bible, but we have human writers that wrote some things down. If you wanted to make much of yourself, wouldn't you wait till all those people were gone before you actually wrote the things you wrote down? I think I would. When you look at the, these early writers, you know, Matthew and Mark and Luke, where you got eyewitness testimony, John, Paul, Peter, James, you look at all these writers of the New Testament, they wrote things down while the people were still alive that they were talking about. It was passed around. And there were people that sat in chairs or pews at churches who were actually eyewitnesses to these stories. And they're like, yep, I was right there. Which shows just how accurate the Gospels and the New Testament and the Bible is. Here's what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says. This is kind of crazy. So Paul, he's, he's writing to the church in Corinth. And these guys, they weren't around. I mean, this is like a whole different country, okay? Whole different area, far away from where everything kind of happened in the, in the New Testament. And he's, they're, they're probably asking questions. Hey, is this even true? Is this even real? How can I know that this is accurate? I mean, the things they were trying to, to live by. And here's what Paul says. He says, hey, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. This was within about 30 years of it actually happening, 20 or 30 years, the actual story. He said, hey, I'm passing on what was passed on to me. And he says, he, he describes something that's pretty cool right here. And here's, here's what this is. This is the gospel already being shared. So if you say, you know what, man, I think the gospel over thousands of years has been changed. You can go all the way back to the very beginning and you can see, here's the gospel. There's already being preached. Hey, Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. And it goes on. He says this. He, talking about Jesus, he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. So the disciples actually saw him. And guess what? Most of them are still alive. You can go ask them. And he goes, let me give you even more proof. He says this. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. And most of them, they're still alive, even though some of them have passed away. He's saying, don't take my word for it. Go and ask the other people that were there. He's saying, man, what we have, the scriptures we have, the stories we have about Jesus are true. Here's another proof that we can look at. The Bible isn't flattering towards these, these heroes of the faith. I mean, think how many times Peter screwed up, you know? And when Luke was writing down these eyewitness testimonies, don't you think Peter would have been kind of tempted to say, ah, that didn't happen, <laughs> you know? Like, Jesus really didn't call me Satan, tell me to get away, you know, right? He didn't really do that. But you look at all the things in the stories of, of Scripture, and you see just how silly some of these leaders were. Some of these great people that we look up to now, just how many times they messed up. In fact, uh, Babylon B put out something pretty funny the other day, and I thought I'd share it with you. Here's what he says. Apostle Peter, he cringes while reading gospel accounts of all the dumb stuff he did, right? And so if, if, if Peter was around today and he was reading all this, he'd be like, guys, can we just skip to like the Old Testament? Let's just talk about that, right? Like, I, don't, I don't wanna go through um, all of that anymore. 
And so here, that, that's, that's another proof that it's just not flattering to the people. And if you were to make something up, wouldn't you make yourself look good? Wouldn't you? Man, I sure would. I think we do that all the time. And these writers, they just say, hey, this is just the truth, man. I know it doesn't look good on me, but this is what actually happened. Here's another proof. It's the canon. Not that canon, okay? The canon with one N in the middle. You probably heard that word. It's, like, it's a pretty Christian word, the canon of Scripture. What in the world does that mean? Well, canon is just a, a word that means ruler or, or measuring stick, okay? And what happened was is when Christianity was, was churning and it was going, and they had all these different letters that were being passed around. They didn't have the Bible all bound together. They didn't have all of that. You didn't, you didn't find you know, Luke uh, writing his, his gospel, and then he passed the Bible, the very first Bible, over to, to John, and John you know, wrote some more, and then passed it back to Luke to write Acts, and they handed it off to, to Paul, to, or, yeah, Paul to write Romans. Like, that's not how it worked. These were all different, um, different letters being passed around. And the question was for these, these Christians was, what is, which one is true? Are we supposed to put all of these in? Are these, which ones stay in? Which ones stay out? And they, they began this uh, canonization process. It sounds super boring, but they looked at what scripture should, what, what writings should be in and what writings should be out. And this process took a, a long time for them to figure out what, it, what was actually in it, but it was so important because here's the deal. They weren't like us. They were being persecuted and killed. And if you're being persecuted and killed for something, don't you want to know if it's true or not? Like, you don't just want to take someone's word for it and live your life based off of a lie. They were like, we got to know if this is true or not. And so they went through this process, and what they would do is they would ask some questions, like, is the Bible or is this book, this, let's, let's take 1 Peter. Is this book, is it accurate? Is it authoritative and it is, is it true? And they would, they would have these, these steps in this process they would go through to see if it was actually going to make the cut to be in Scripture. And one of the big things that they would look at is they would ask if it was an eyewitness account. So, hey, if it was an eyewitness account, man, that's got a good chance of making it into Scripture. Or if it was a, uh, if someone had interviewed eyewitnesses and those eyewitnesses were still alive when it was written down, they would say, you know what, that's an accurate account of Scripture. So these guys, they came up and they ended up coming up with the scripture that we have today. And it's called the canon of scripture. We can know that it is accurate because of the process they went through because, man, they want to make sure that they had it right. They didn't want to mess it up at all. So look at some of the evidence. That's just some of the stuff about the scriptures. You say, you know what, is it true or not? Um, because, man, I, I just think that it's been corrupted over time. That over these last several thousand years, there's just, it's just not what it used to be. You can look back at the evidence and say, you know what? It is really close to the original. It is so close that it blows every other ancient work out of the water. And the things that we've seen, how the, these guys, they didn't, they didn't make much of themselves. They didn't flatter themselves. They were just honest. It shows some accuracy within the text. But I think people still have another big problem. It's not based off the historical record, but it's based off of the Bible itself. I think here's the other problem that people have. They would say this, that the Bible, it contradicts itself. Doesn't it? Doesn't it contradict itself? There are places where it says one thing and it says another thing. 
Here's what I think happens a lot of times for most Christians. They've been Christians for a long time. You grew up in the church. Man, you got your Bible. This is the word of God. You never question it. In fact, you're, not, you're told not to question it. It's like, you know, you got to trust and have faith. And so you just read this. And then all of a sudden you get into college and you got a professor that says, you're still believing this thing? In your backwoods podunk town? Like that's what they do. But this, this is the real world. And let me show you how all of this is, is fake and false and all of the, the problems within the text. And you begin to, to question your faith. Or you get online, man, if you go online, you start searching all sorts of stuff and get all sorts of perspectives and you begin to question your faith because people put out some, some evidence that they have. They say, you know what, this, is, this shows the Bible is fake and so pretty much your whole life is fake and everything you've been believing is fake. And so you begin to question, you begin to ask, is the Bible even true? Because there seem to be some contradictions. Like if you go to the New Testament, okay, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay, so you go through that. And you start looking at the Gospels, these are stories of, of Jesus, their eyewitness testimony. The only one that, that, that wasn't, you know, around was, was Luke. And Luke and, and Mark, and they, they, they went and, and looked at uh, eyewitness testimony and interviewed people. So, Mark, so Luke went around and said, hey, Mary, can I schedule an appointment with you? Because I'd like to hear about the birth of Jesus. And that's where we get Luke chapter 2, okay? Uh, Mark, he, Mark went and interviewed Peter pretty much. And so pretty much we think everything that Mark said was like Peter's eyewitness testimony. Okay, and Matthew was there. He's a tax collector, great keeper of records. And we have his testimony. And John was there, of course. And we have his testimony. But, but we look at them, we say they're different. Like there's some things, some of the same stories kind of inter, interlap, and they're a little bit different. They have some different information. And some of the things aren't are in this one, but they're not in this one. And so which one is true, and can I trust any of those things? But think about it this way. If you were... If you were a, an investigator and you brought, you, there was a crime or something happened, you brought in four different eyewitnesses and you separated them and you had them in different rooms. You went to them one at a time and said, what happened? If their story was identical, what would you think? You think they got together before and said, hey, we need to make sure all of our stories line up. You've seen that in the movies, right? And they're like, let's make sure you do that. And, and the, the police officer's trying to you know, trip, trip them up and stuff like that. But if you, if you got into, into these individual rooms and they were actually quite different, but telling the same story, what would you believe? I mean, that's a pretty truthful story of them sharing from different perspectives about the exact same story. So when you talk about the New Testament, there's contradictions within the, the narrative of the, the Gospels. You say, you know what? No, it's actually the same story, just coming from different points of view, which is kind of cool to, to look at. But you know what? I think there's other people who would say, you know what? The Old Testament, the New Testament is the real big kicker around here. But there's stuff in the Old Testament that seems like is different and contrary to what the New Testament actually teaches. There's lots of contradictions in the Old Testament and New Testament, like marriage. The Bible says marriage is between one man, one woman, right? It says in the Old Testament, it says in the New Testament. But you read these stories in the Old Testament, and all of these heroes of the faith had multiple wives, we just read over that, ah, oh, whatever, you know. Feel like, how? That doesn't make sense, you know. It just doesn't make sense. Or we 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 know some things about Scripture that talks about freedom. We have freedom in Christ, yet slavery is like all throughout the Bible, in those cultures. And how does that line up? Or we talk about loving your enemy. The New Testament talks about that. Love your enemy, right, and pray for them. You get the Old Testament, God, the wrathful God, said, kill them all at times. 
And they'd go and they would have these big battles and they'd slaughter everybody. And you're like, that doesn't make sense. Like, it looks, those are two completely different things. Well, the Bible says, you know what, everyone is created equal. Yet women in that culture were second-class citizens. And so you go, man, that just proves it right there. It's all just made up. It's all fake. I can't trust it. But here's the deal. I think we don't understand the differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament. In fact, this word testament is not a very good word, I don't think, to describe it. In fact, it wasn't written for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years that this, this word wasn't put into the, the Bible until then. About the same time when they actually put the verses and like the headings and everything, the chapters, you know that wasn't original? I mean, you know how hard it'd be to find scripture back then, <laughs> you know? I mean, now we have a way to find it quickly, but when they tried to, to coordinate all the scripture, they put uh, these words testament in there. But I don't think that's a very good word for us to use because what it's really saying is that these are covenants, not testaments. Testament doesn't really mean much to us. But when you think about the word covenant or agreement, contract, it kind of changes our perspective because that's actually what these things are. The Old Testament and the New Testament are covenant agreements between two different parties. And so the Old Testament is a covenant agreement between God and the ancient Jewish people, his people. And then you get to the New Testament, and it's a little bit different. There's some crazy laws in the Old Testament. We don't have time to go through a lot of them, but we can go to one of them. Levit Leviticus 19.19. 19. Let, me, let me ask you this. Do you believe God's word? Why are you not living that? Why are you not doing that? How many of you guys have clothes on that's got two different kinds of material? Every single one of us? A bunch of heathens? Sinners? The Bible, we spend all the rest of the day looking at all these. The Bible's full, the Old Testament is full of these laws that we're supposed to keep. Do not wear clothing woven from two different kinds of thread. What? You can go through it. There's all these different scriptures, all these different laws that are we supposed to keep them? Or are we not supposed to keep them? Why do we have them in the Old Testament and not in the New Testament? And they're kind of silly. You know, there's other silly laws that we, we have to live by. Here in Oklahoma, here's some laws that are maybe old and outdated, but they're still laws. Do you know that whaling is illegal in Oklahoma? Seriously. I looked up on the internet, so it's got to be true, right? <laughs> whaling is illegal in Oklahoma. I don't understand that. In Winona, it's illegal to wash your clothes in a birdbath. Still, to this day, if you go and wash your clothes in a birdbath, man, you're going to get a fine. In bromide, it's illegal for kids to use towels as capes and jump from house, houses pretending to be Superman. Okay? So I don't know what happened, but, like, they ended up having to make a law for that. And you probably heard this. In Oklahoma City, it is still to this day, it's illegal to walk backwards while eating a hamburger. And I don't know, I don't know what happened. But evidently, something happened, and they got to the point where, like, we got to take care of this. You know? This is becoming a problem. There are 613 laws in the Old Testament. Not just the 10. There's 613 of them. we got to understand the differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Because we have a new covenant. We have a new agreement. 
The old covenant was for those people. But the new covenant is for all people. The old covenant was all about your behavior and the things that you did in fulfilling these laws. And that's why they had sacrifices all the time to try to pay for their sins. But the, the New Testament is not about the things that you've done, but it's about Jesus's behavior. Not your behavior, but Jesus's behavior and how he takes care of it all. And so there's a big difference and we gotta understand that. But the question is, well, what laws in the Old Testament are we supposed to live by then? You know, that's a, that's a deep question. Why don't you have a Bible study group about that? Which, which laws should we have and which laws should we not have. Well, it's interesting. You got to think about there's different kinds of laws. There's civil laws, there's ceremonial laws, and there's moral laws that kind of stand the test of time within the Old Testament. But one of the ways you can know if you're actually supposed to live by one of these Old Testament laws is if it's reinstated or restated um, or affirmed in the New Testament. If Jesus says, hey, remember this law? Keep it. You know, then it's probably one that you should probably keep, okay? Did you know that nine of the ten, ten commandments are restated in the, in, the, in the New Testament? Do you know which one, isn't it? Keeping the Sabbath. Isn't that weird? Keeping the Sabbath. In fact, Jesus, he just kind of wrecked that one, okay? Because Jesus was like eating during the Sabbath and working during the Sabbath and healing people on the Sabbath. And, and he's saying it's, it's not about these rules and regulations anymore. But he did, he did affirm these nine of the ten laws that are in the Old Testament. Here's another way to know, or another way to know if it's something you should keep. If that law, um, if fulfilling that law fulfills the greatest commandment, then maybe it's something you should keep. And there's a lot of them that do. What is the greatest commandment? As Christians, if you're a Christian in this room, that is your one law to keep. The one commandment to keep is the greatest commandment. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 22. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And he goes on and says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. He's saying all the Old Testament hangs on these two commandments. And so what Jesus is saying is saying, look, love God and love people. Forget about the rules just do that and everything will work out. But you know what? The Old Testament is good. I mean, it has its place. I mean, look, look what Romans 7.7 7 says. Romans 7.7 7 says this. It was the law that showed me my sin. Okay? If we didn't have the Old Testament, we would know what sin is. He says, I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said, you must not covet. So the, law, the Old Testament is important. It shows us our sin. It shows us where we're wrong, shows us you know, what God has for us. It also shows the story of God, and it points to Jesus. And so we should keep the Old Testament. I'm not advocating that we get rid of the Old Testament today. We should keep it. But when we try to keep these laws in the Old Testament as a way to, to get close to God, we're going to fall. Because, let me say this, that Old Covenant is not for you. The Old Testament is not for us. The Old Covenant, the Old Testament was for a specific people for a specific time. We have a new covenant. And Jesus, the Bible says this, the Old New Testament throughout it says that he has, he has taken care of all that. He's fulfilled that law. And so you don't have to live, it, but live by it anymore. Look at Romans 10.4 says. Romans 10.4 says, for Christ 
man, he's already accomplished the, the purpose for which the law was given. He's already taken care of all that. Like, quit trying to live by the 613 laws. Quit trying to do that. Just, just, just worship Jesus and everything will be okay. That's pretty much what he's saying, which is so free. And he says this, as a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. He's saying, it's not going to get you right with God. Fulfilling these Old Testament laws is not going to, you're not going to take care of it. And here's one of the biggest problems that we have. As Christians, we do this sometimes. We metaphorically walk up to the cross. We push it out of, out of the way. We go back to the Old Testament, and we sift through the laws. We find the ones we want to keep. We cherry pick them. Like, oh, man, those tattoos, right? I'm going to do that. I'm going to throw that at somebody, okay? And I'm going to, you know, how, how women dress or whatever, you know, like the length of their hair. And you're going to take all this stuff, and you're going to compile all these things, and you walk past the cross and say, thank you, Jesus, for everything you did. And you take it to new covenant believers and you throw it out to them and say, make sure you follow these. And if you don't follow them, then you're not a good Christian. You know what that's called? Legalism. And that's why people hate the church. That's why our culture says, no, I don't want any of that. Because it's all about rules and rules and rules. That's why our communities are full of de-churched people. You know what? Some of you might be de-churched people. You went to church your whole life and you said, I'm done with it. I can't take these rules anymore. I'm, I'm tired of living that way. But again, I'll say this. The covenant is not for you. Following Jesus' covenant is what he calls us to do. I don't think that makes sense. Like, that's the difference between the Old Testament and New Testament. It doesn't mean that the Old Testament is not valuable but it, means, but it shows that, that the Old Testament and New Testament actually work together. Even with those things that seem contradictory, it's just different things. It's talking about a different way of life and different rules for those specific people at that certain time in the cultures that they were living. But for us, the command is just to follow Jesus. And so here's the big question again today. Is the Bible true? Should we trust it? The evidence shows, I think, and I believe that it's trustworthy and accurate. accurate. But I know that there's a lot of people that would say, you know what, hey, Okay, I believe the Bible is true, but I'm just not down to follow it. I think the real reason is, it's not because whether it's true or false, but it's that it's demanding. The Bible is pretty demanding. You can go and read textbooks that say, here's what you should believe. But they don't call you to change your life. But that's what God's word does. God's word, God's word says, hey, you need to change your mind. Just like a textbook might say that. But the Bible goes further and says you need to change your heart. In fact, you need to change your hands and your feet and the things that you do. And it calls you to live differently. How you, how you parent, the relationship you have with your spouse, um, how you interact with people at your job, how you, how you um, invest in people who are different than you, maybe even against you. The Bible calls you to live differently. And a lot of us don't like it. We don't like how demanding it is. And so we say, ah, no, this isn't really for me because I just want to live my life. Is the Bible true? If you say no, then what do you do with all the evidence? And if you say yes, my question for you is, are you living by it? Are you following it? Are you in it? Are you studying it? Because here's a real big danger. If you're just listening to me, please don't do that. Because I'm going to say some dumb things up here, okay? <laughs> Probably today, okay? I'm always going to say th dumb things. It's just going to happen. I'm just normal, just like you guys. Don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. So read it. 
listen to it. We have more access than we ever have. You can, you can even watch it. There's shows that will show reenactments of the scriptures. You can, you can read it. You can listen to it. You can watch it. There's so many ways that you can get into God's word. And that's my challenge for you today is this, to get into God's word. Are you doing that? Because this is what happens when you do that. God's going to show up in a crazy way in your life. Things are going to begin to change. The way you see the world is going to change. And your life will begin to change because Jesus, he is in the changing business. That is what he does. And he's knocking on your door of your heart and saying, will you let me in? Will you let me, let me in? And I've given you this word for you to know me. And you know what? You can trust it. It is trustworthy and true. So here's my challenge for you today is this. This week, pretty simple. Will you be willing to live by it? Here's what I want you to do. 66 books in the Bible. Pick one and read it this week. Do an easy one, okay? Like, I don't know, Philippians or something, okay? James, like an easy one, okay? Third John, that's a good one, okay? You can, you can do that in a couple minutes, okay? Pick one of those, pick one of those, those books. Read it this week. Find one law or one command that the Bible says you should do and live by it. Can you do that this week? Maybe it's about how you treat people. Maybe it's about your struggle. Maybe it's about holiness. Maybe it's about your relationship with God. Will you look at scripture and say, you know what, I'm gonna follow it. I'm gonna follow it, not because I've always done it, but because I believe in it, because it is trustworthy. Is it true? Yes. Let's live by it. God, we love you. We thank you that we have God's word. We have your word. And we don't understand it a lot of times. And so it can be intimidating. It can be confusing. I pray that today might have been just a, a little chip in that armor of our defenses against Scripture. We're confused by it. We don't understand it. We've heard things about it that may seem like it's, it's false or misleading or not accurate anymore. And God, we have to trust in you. You give us great evidence to show just how trustworthy scripture is. And so God, we pray today that you would help us to, to lean hard on your word. That we wouldn't run away from it. That we wouldn't let it collect dust on the shelf. But God, we would, we would trust in it and live by it. Because we can look at all the historical evidence and go, you know what? It's really accurate. Man, it is so accurate compared to everything else. It blows everything else out of the water. And we can understand it deeper with the New Testament, the Old Testament, how the differences are in the covenants and, and, and uh, those, these agreements between God and the Jewish people and, and God and us today. How the Old Testament is valuable, but we don't have to live by it anymore. Jesus has, has taken care of all that. And we praise you for that, that we can have just a simple relationship with Jesus where we trust in him to be our Lord and Savior and ask him to forgive us for our sins. We don't have to live by the Old Testament anymore. But we can choose to because of our love for Jesus and our desire to fulfill the greatest commandment, to love God and love people. God, help us to not be legalistic, but instead, God, help us to be all about love. Thank you for your word. We'd be lost without it. Help us to live by it this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.